0: Bill, are you there, sir? I am, Ray. How are you? Real good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, I guess a logical place to start would be how did you get into comedy way back when? Uh, you, you were born and bred in Houston, right? Right. Uh-huh.
1: Well, um, I just always kind of did it. And then uh, um, in, in, uh, in 1980, Reagan was elected. And simultaneously, um, all these comedy clubs sprung up around the country. No, <laughs> no coincidence there, I don't oh, think. No, no that uh, people needed to hear some kind of honest emotions being expressed in a free speech format. Now, so I, okay. I just walk right into it, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I know way back when, when you were in Houston, there was a what's been coming to be called the outlaw comic scene. Now Sam Kennison was there at the time. Yeah. And I know, you, I know you don't really consider Sam a mentor or anything, but I'm just kind of curious, what was it like way back in the early days then?
1: Well, um, Sam actually did, was a big influence in a lot of ways in comedy in general and myself specifically. He was uh, great. He, was the, he changed comedy in that he was the only guy, he's the first guy. I ever saw it go on stage and not ask the audience to like him, <laughs> okay. and it was highly amusing, and I think that opened the door for a lot of different guys, but uh, the first time I ever saw him, I'd taken a date, and we were on the front row. I was still in high school, and it was neat to take dates down to this nightclub. Uh-huh. They introduced Sam, and he came out, and he put on these panties over his <laughs> pants, and then he sang, I'm Mr. Z and he left off Stage on top of me, uh-huh. and simulated uh, running, <laughs> and knocked over every chair and table in the club while doing this. Uh-huh. Total commitment.
0: Was it pretty? Was it the scene back then? Was it fairly competitive, or did everybody get along? Was it a cooperative kind of thing?
1: Um. Well, there was healthy competition, but uh, in general, since we're all still friends, I'd say we got along pretty well.
0: That's cool. I was reading an interview with you in High Times magazine uh, about how you used to be a pretty heavy drug user and uh, have since given that up, but it's still a fairly healthy part of your act. I'm just wondering how you reconcile those two things.
1: Well, um, very easily. Uh, I had some great experiences on drugs, A. B, every experience I've ever had has led me to where I am now. So I don't really have any regrets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think, and I try and convey that attitude in the whole bit that I do. The statement that if, if we treated people who were drug users and addicted with compassion rather than law enforcement, perhaps we'd live in a world where there'd be less people doing drugs, maybe. And you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. the point of the bit. And, you know, it, at worst, people who do drugs are sick, and, and I don't think putting sick people in jail is heals them. I'm no doctor, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I read uh, in that story also that uh, you had a UFO experience uh, on mushrooms one time. Can you you share that with us?
1: Well, not in great detail, but I will tell you it happened in Fredericksburg, Texas. Oh, uh, really? It was either a UFO or a giant Polish sausage. I'm not sure. (laughs) Now, it was, you know, I mean, the thing I hate talking about it is because first thing everyone asks is, were you high? And you go, yeah. And they go, oh. (laughs) You know, and that bugs me because usually people know who, when you're, when you're tripping on mushrooms you have a heightened state of clarity you're not like goofy you know right. but uh yeah we just had a neat experience where we were taking aboard a of UFO me and a couple of friends and uh it was uh well it- uh,
0: Life-changing? Right. There you go. Okay, more with Bill Hicks in a little bit. Let's hop back into the music right now. Let's do some new stuff from Helmet. The Meantime yeah. Compact Disc right here 107.7 k The Fringe. All right, it's right here with you at 107.7 k Austin's music leader, out on The Fringe and way out there tonight with Bill Hicks. I know you're going <laughs> to have to forgive me because I don't know a lot about uh, uh, the the logistics of comedy per se, but I assume it's a lot like rock and roll in that, you know, you perform, you have a crowd, I imagine, uh, you put your stuff out you go on TV, imagine there are groupies and all that stuff. But um, one thing I'm curious about, that where it might differ from rock and roll, is that uh, with respect to what you do live. Because a rock band, if they have a hit, they'll play it forever. But I, I would think comedians, by definition, have to revamp their act a lot. Yeah. And I was wondering how often you do revamp. Uh, your live show and what determines that?
1: Well, that's a great question and first of all you'd be surprised how few comedians actually do revamp their acts A B you'd be surprised how few audiences care mm-hmm. D, uh, I do try and change my act all the time because I get very bored very quickly and also there's issues that come up that, you know they take over your mind and then and so you add them onto the show I, I find that in about nine months I'll have a complete different new hour of material mm-hmm. but I often use a lot of the same kind of uh, ideas because I think the ideas are valid not just as bits, but as ideas. And sometimes they're, they're good to branch off from all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this, the, the war against drug stuff, has, I've changed it over in, in years. It's different material, but the ideas are basically the same. You know what I'm saying? It's right. a different way to say the same thing mm-hmm. over and over again okay. until people maybe... Uh, well, I think I'm playing to the converted at this point, but there you go. Okay. I'm <laughs> not doing this on, you know... I'm not inviting the ATF to see my show. Let me put it that way. The thing I'm kind of talking about now is uh, the the real power behind the throne. I don't really get into specific political jokes about personalities because I think it's a smoke screen. There's powers behind the throne, such as the mainstream media and uh, how they exert their power by showing you the information they want you to see. You know, in democracy, the only way to have power is to control information. And that's what interests me now is the media... And all the issues that come up and how they they, they, they control our, our our opinions on these things, you know? Yeah. Like the war against drugs, for instance, or the uh, Waco compound, or the election, or the Iraq war. You know, in America, everyone applauds the free speech aspect, and yet in the uh, Iraq war, all I saw was, uh, you know, censored by the military on CNN.
0: There you go, right? <laughs> Uh, rock and roll has always been a big part of your act too. What do you, uh, how do you feel about the state of rock and roll? Nineteen
1: ninety-three. Well, uh, I think Sting said it isn't uh, rock and roll the comedy of the nineties. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of bands that I like. Uh, um, I like like uh, Tool and uh, Rage Against the Machine and.
0: Cool. Both of those bands coming up a little later on the first. Oh, cool. So, well, I fun. like I like them, you know, but but uh, I, I don't really know. I, I don't really pay
1: attention anymore to anything.
0: Really. <laughs> So you don't, you don't listen to the radio much? Or no, I or
1: don't listen to the radio hardly at all. And I, okay. Yeah.
0: The new album is going to be called Arizona Bay. Um, I've never been to Arizona, but I don't assume there are many bays there. Uh, what's, what's behind the title there?
1: Well, Arizona Bay is what will exist um, after L.A. falls into the ocean due to a major earthquake. And obviously, um, Arizona Bay, to me, the idea is a positive one. So L.A. being destroyed, to me, is... I was taking one step closer to eat yeah. and everything that la stands for being flushed away into the pacific bowl yeah. i think it'd be a funny reaction to have that happen and have the whole world go oh my god you're kidding <laughs> and suddenly everyone feels great you know yeah. suddenly all the geeks aren't yelling into the airwaves you know and duds is off the air and american gladiators are all gone and And birds start chirping again.
0: Right. More with Bill Hicks here in a little bit. Let's hop back into the music right now, though. Uh, Let's do some Tool just around the corner, and we're going to explain the infamous Bill Hicks Tool connection here in a bit. It's the Fringe, the loudest two hours on Austin Radio, joined tonight by comedian Bill Hicks, who's performing tomorrow night at The Laugh Stop. Now, there's two shows tomorrow night. The 8.30 show has already been sold out, but you can get tickets for the 10.30 show. Now, Bill, I was reading the liner notes to the Tool, compact disc undertow which just came out and of course Tool's been uh, long a staple here on the fringe and I was looking at their notes about their inspirations and they cited you as an inspiration
1: isn't that something I I was surprised as well um, and Maynard the singer in tool sent me um, a tape a while back uh-huh. and a note saying that he liked my work and uh, it, we started uh, talking back and forth, I still haven't met Maynard. Uh-huh. They're on tour in uh, Europe right now with Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> but uh, we've been uh, kind of corresponding, and then he goes, "Hey, by the way, uh, do you ever do you ever read liner notes?" I'm like, "No." He goes, well, read the ones on our album. And and then I saw it. That was kind of cool.
0: So you like Tool, though? You think they're pretty hot, Yeah, well, since he
1: sent them to me, I got into him and Rage Against the Machine, you know. I I, I, got to say, man, I'm still listening to Miles Davis' Kind of Blue. I haven't... I don't feel like I've milked that album yet.
0: You've got a... um a an HBO special coming out an hour-long show called Revelations right which you shot in London uh, how did that all come to be
1: well I I did that was the
0: culmination of my second
1: tour of the United Kingdom which we did 23 days all over um, Ireland Scotland Wales and England and we ended up at the Dominion theater in London and we decided that we had to uh, to uh, film it and we got HBO to do it and it was kind of funny they, they looked at the final product and they're like yeah we like it a lot but you know if you'd done it closer to the states or in the states we would have uh, put our two cents in on how it should look and we were like yeah that's why we did it overseas you know <laughs> okay. it doesn't look like every other HBO show it looks like a movie oh there you go it doesn't have those stupid audience insert shots you know where you see like "Ooh, wow the people from Milwaukee think he's funny he must be <laughs> Doesn't have any of that
0: What are some of the topics That you'll be tackling On that Well we,
1: the Same thing Look man All I talk about Is a sane point A sane point of view Versus an insane point of view Freedom Freedom and more freedom. That's what I think, I, that's what I believe in. And uh, freedom, everything should be free, that's it.
0: Something else that you're working on, Bill, is a uh, TV series in England, right?
1: Yeah, we're starting that in uh, the new year called Counts of the Netherworld.
0: That must be quite an undertaking.
1: Well, it's, it's taken a couple of years to come up with the idea and really um, focus, focus in on it and call it the show and figure out what it is. But it's based on, what it's based on is me and my friends and all the people I know who I talk to late at night we always call up, and in reference to everything we've seen that day on TV, go, is it just me, or does this suck? <laughs> and I think that's the
0: audience. <laughs> is there any chance that that'll be aired in the United States at all? Well, I, um, I hope to um, sell it back
1: to HBO and make them pay through the nose for it. But right now, uh, looking at the drivel that American television has 99.9% of the time, I uh, I don't even want Americans to be involved in it. They're just, they don't get it, and the, the, I think it can be sold back. I'm kind of doing the Hendrix thing now. I've, I've had happen in England in two years what has not happened here in 12, you know?
0: Right. So you're going to stick with your guns and what works then, huh? Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. It's a great idea, and it's very funny and stupid and over the top. And um, basically, I came up with the idea when I saw uh, Jay Leno and Dennis Miller take over these talk shows. And I went, geez, all these young guys are doing their best to put on the Merv Griffin show. What's going on? <laughs> okay. And that's when we came up with Counts of the Netherworld.
0: 107.7 KNAC, uh, joined by Bill Hicks once again. Now, Bill, you have a musical project. So you're a singer-songwriter, and uh, you have a group called Marblehead Johnson. Have, is that something that you pursue uh, pretty heartily, or is it just like a hobby for you?
1: Well, we, we only did uh, one one um, um, cassette of Marblehead Johnson music, and it kind of evolved instantaneously into arizona bay which is a comedy album but it's stored entirely with music all marvel had johnson do was really uh reacquaint myself with music because i played years ago and then i quit playing focused solely on comedy and then got back into the music and found it to be such a great addition to what my comedy it's a great counterpoint particularly on arizona bay because the music is real melodic and sweet and the comedy's real hateful <laughs> and it kind of mm-hmm. the music kind of heals the comedy you know there you go so um all marblehead johnson dude did was kind of reopen the uh, uh doorway to the music there's no song parodies involved uh-huh. uh, but uh, w- what it has done is make me want to work in the studio more than live you know i probably will incorporate comedy in the studio more than music in the comedy
0: well, um, thanks for joining us tonight, Bill. Appreciate uh, you taking the time out of your hectic schedule. To well, talk I, with
1: us. I thank you for having me, Ray, and yeah. and 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 we are going to be recording the shows tomorrow night for a future oh. album called Conversations with Goat Boy, and that's as much mm-hmm. as I can tell you right now.
0: So you'll be you'll be touring for a while before uh, for a while. Oh, or?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an endless tour.
0: I guess it doesn't really, it's not really the same as a musical tour where you've got to have a bunch of stagehands and everything. I guess you can do it at your own pace pretty much, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I just keep traveling around, you know. I'm pretty much, I have to become Zen-like about it. I don't have any social life. I can prove it in the court of law. Uh, every bit of my money is I write off taxes because there's no social life. There you go. I actually, someone gave me a plastic plant to put in my apartment, right? And I went on the road and I left the curtains open and the heat, the sun beamed through the window and melted the plant. I can't even keep plastic plants, Ray.
0: So you shouldn't get a plastic dog or anything. (laughs) All right, thanks for joining us tonight, Bill. We'll see you tomorrow evening out at the Laugh Stop.